Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten. I'm, I'm, it is Friday, March 5th, 2021. And yesterday saw the Iowa Hawkeyes find their new offensive line coach. And uh, this one was uh, obviously something that uh, was pretty important for Kirk Ferentz. And the reason why I think it's important for Kirk Ferentz is the Iowa Hawkeyes have traditionally been a team that doesn't recruit at the highest level. What they rely on significantly is is getting their players on campus, understanding what they do well, developing that skill set, and pushing them through to the NFL. Because then you look at uh, when Tristan Wirfs was coming out of high school, you know, I I don't think a lot of people were like, man, that guy's, you know, a first-round draft pick. He's going to be a first-year starter on a Super Bowl team. Yeah, no, not a lot of people said that. Alaric Jackson, the same thing. But the job that former offensive line coach Tim Polasek did was magnificent. He continued to have high-level guys that weren't highly thought of recruits. And I think that that is a testament to the Iowa program and what they did before. However, there is no more. Polisek is gone. So therefore, Ferentz had to find his replacement. And he did yesterday. In former Tulane offensive line coach George Barnett. One of Barnett's strengths, you ask. Well, one of his strengths is that he has deep Midwestern ties. That is always helpful. He's got Illinois ties. Uh, He also has uh, a little bit of Ohio ties. He's got deep Midwestern roots. That's always good. It's always good. Because Iowa's footprint is in the Midwest. They don't really recruit outside the Midwest. And a couple of years ago, they stopped recruiting Florida. Why? I don't know. You'd have to expect that it had something to do with Chris Doyle, who is gone, their former strength coach. But in all reality, I, I had no idea why they would stop doing that. That doesn't make sense to me. Florida's a hotbed for recruiting. There's no reason for any school to not recruit Florida. Just didn't make a lot of sense to me. But that's something that Barnett has. Barnett has that Midwestern roots. You know, he also has he also has exactly what Ferris is looking for in the development area. He develops players. He sees them. He does a good job of getting them ready. He's got a guy at Tulane that should be a a draft pick in this NFL draft. You don't see a lot of guys going to Tulane being high-level guys. You really don't. And so Barnett is a coach that will identify talent, be able to develop it, get it ready to play at a high level. I think this is a big-time win for Kirk Ferentz. I think this hire of Barnett is exactly in line with how Iowa operates, what they do. I think this is 
Fantastic. They're getting a great coach. I think that another thing that's um, highly underrated is, is that he was a disciple of Harry Heastand. If you don't know who Harry Heastand is, he was a longtime Notre Dame offensive line coach, uh, ultimately went to the Chicago Bears. I, and I think he he left a couple years ago from the Bears. I'm not sure if Heastand has another job right now. I think he might be uh, leaning towards retirement. But nevertheless, Harry Heastand, for a long time, was considered one of the best in the business. A very long time. Not just at the collegiate level, but at the NFL level. There are guys that I've seen, high-level NFL guys with no Notre Dame ties, that said Heastand was the best in the business. Specifically Olin Krutz. And Olin did not go to Notre Dame. No, he did not. Olin played for the Chicago Bears, where he stand coached, and Olin would always have he stands back, saying he was the best in the business. So anytime you're getting a disciple from one of the best in the business, it's always a good thing. Always a good thing. And that was it for the football side of things. Pretty quiet yesterday. However, on the hardwood, that was a different story. Multiple games got played last night of significance. And before we get into that, let's do a little bit of cleanup of what happened on, well, the basketball side of things, but off the court. The Naismith finalists were award, uh, announced yesterday, not awarded. Uh, they were announced yesterday, and you're looking at three of the ten semifinalists. You're going to most likely break it down to a top five. Those would be the finalists. But three of the top ten are in the Big Ten. I think it's pretty easy to figure out two of them. Shouldn't be difficult. Ayo DeSumo and Luca Garza are, are pretty much shoe-ins right now, my estimation. Uh, to I, They both should be finalists, in my estimation. When you look at the list, if they're not finalists, I'd be more in shock than if they were. However, the third name, it's a name that uh, you probably didn't think of that was going to be there coming into the season, and that was Michigan's Hunter Dickinson. Dickinson was a, a not not a he was a highly thought recruit, but not a guy where you looked at and said, "Wow, this guy's going to compete in his freshman year for national awards." Nope, not a chance. Well, after the season uh, and the work that Dickinson has done for the Wolverines. This makes sense. This makes a whole lot of sense. I think he's a shoe-in for Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Uh, he's going to get first-team All-Big Ten. Uh, yeah, Garza's going to get the center, but I think they give Dickinson a power-forward position. Uh, Trace Jackson-Davis, unfortunately, due to that situation, probably won't make the first team, but he could still. I'm not 100% sure how they'll end up voting, but there's potential for that. But Dickinson, man. He has been absolutely phenomenal for the Wolverines this year. And he deserves this kind of recognition. I think he's one of the guys nationally that doesn't get enough love. I think he's a damn good player. I think he has been really the the difference for the Wolverine team. Because we always knew that they could shoot from the outside. I don't think that was a question. I think they're, they're shooting... Um, from beyond the arc was never in question. 
But the difference in my estimation has been the fact that Hunter Dickinson is more of your old school down low big guy. He really doesn't shoot threes. He really doesn't. He's a banger down there. Very similar to what Kofi Coburn does. And we all knew coming into the season what Coburn was. We didn't know what Dickinson was. Dickinson is very similar game to Coburn's. Neither of them really shoot it outside 10, 12, 15 feet away from the basket. But they're damn effective down low. And you know what that forces defenses to do? It forces them to sink. And they have to defend the post more. And you know what's open more often when defenses sink into the post? That three-point line. And I think that's he's a huge reason. He's an unsung hero sometimes. When Michigan shoots well for three, it's not always because you know, they're getting lucky and, and you know making contested shots. It's because they're getting open shots. Because defenses have to respect Hunter Dickinson. They have to go down low and battle him because otherwise he's going to score and score a lot. And so I think that he's finally getting some recognition more than well-deserved, much more than well-deserved. A little bit more news uh, from the Michigan Wolverine basketball team in just a few moments. However, uh, let's head out to Penn State and Penn State uh, is looking for their new coach. Obviously, uh, we saw Pat Chambers get the boot. Well, I guess he resigned because he was going to get the boot after the allegations uh, coming out that he was mistreating his players. Uh, to me, the resignation was an admittance of guilt. And so as much as I thought that you know, Pat Chambers was running a good program, I didn't know the uh, inner workings of it. I didn't understand what else he was doing. And so I think he's guilty. Uh, I'm glad to see him not in college basketball. And I wholeheartedly expect him not to be employed in college basketball ever again. And his successor, Jim Ferry. Well, guess what, Jim Ferry? Almost immediately, athletic director Sandy Barber came out and said that they weren't going to hire him as a full-time coach. I think they want to wash their hands with the chamber staff and move on. And this makes sense to me. Get a new culture into the building. And a guy that they asked or just threw flyers out there to see how interested he would be was former Ohio State head coach Thad Mata. Uh, Mata was kind of pushed out the door uh, when uh, he left Ohio State and was replaced by Chris Holtman about four years ago. And uh, to be honest with you, this one, uh, it's not surprising that Mata said no. Mata has been courted by multiple schools since leaving Ohio State. And one of the things that he cited leaving was, was his health. Uh, he's got uh, an issue with his leg. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what it is, but it definitely, over the course of time during his tenure at Ohio State, it, it hurt him like, physically. And towards the end of it, you saw that the recruiting definitely took a hit. You know, at one point in time, you know, he, he's got a Daquan Cook and a Mike Connolly and a Greg Oden. Uh, you know, and and all these all these high level guys, these 
you know, top 10 recruits, you know, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that uh, of some of those guys when they made their uh, final four run uh, and lost the championship game against Florida, that you know, those guys, you know, that Greg Oden wouldn't be a, a bona fide superstar in the NBA. You know, I think we all thought that Daquan Cook was going to be a very good player. You know, they, they went out and got, you know, David Lighty. Uh, there's so many talented players that Mata had and went out and grabbed. And it's crazy that uh, Mike Connolly would turn out to be the best one of the bunch. I think we all thought Greg Oden would, would be, but unfortunately for Oden, injuries just derailed the hell out of his career. But nevertheless, I, I got a little off track there. But when you look at what Barbara is doing, uh, Barbara has already announced that, uh, you know, obviously, and, and it wasn't just a fairy. She announced to everybody, to the media, that they were going to find a new coach. So fairy knew exactly what he was getting into this year. And it seems as if Barbara has already, you know, that's one thing that she said a, a few months ago that. Penn State has an advantage of. They know for sure they have an opening at that position and they can go out and find a guy to fill it. They haven't found that guy yet. They're still looking. And uh, it seems as if, you know, Thad Mata, he ain't going to be doing it. He ain't going to be doing it. Uh, a note on the conference tournament. Uh, this is not a surprise as... When the NCAA came out and said that they most likely were going to have fans at the different sites for the NCAA tournament, and with the Big Ten already making their announcement that they were going to move their tournament from Chicago, their conference tournament from Chicago to Indianapolis, to kind of expand on that bubble a little bit, it didn't shock me that the Big Ten was ultimately going to come out and say that fans are going to be allowed in the stands. And that's what happened yesterday. Up to 8,000 at the field house, at Conseco Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. And I think most of it is is going to be students. I think also they should give it to first responders as well. Just to kind of give give them a, a hey, thank you. We appreciate what you're doing. We know your lives are rough right now, and we can give you a little bit of joy for a couple hours. But uh, this should come as no one's surprise that that this has happened, because uh, in my estimation, it was actually uh, kind of shocking that they didn't automatically come out and say that, because the NCA had already made it known before the you know, the Big Ten, that they were going to have fans out there. All right. Uh, like I said, there were significant games in the Big Ten last night, and they were significant because uh, both teams uh, in the top five were just trying to get their groove. They really were. And, yeah, uh, Michigan coming off of a, a loss against the Illini and a, and a big loss against the Illini. Uh, you know, a, a loss where you kind of looked and said, man, that uh, that's no good. That's no good for for Michigan. They they really struggled. They they had a, a very bad showing. And you kind of expected, you know, 
you didn't necessarily expect that at all, really. And then, uh, you know, for Iowa, um, you know, they're coming off of uh, a, a pretty big win against Ohio State. And the first time they're back on the court in in a couple of days. And you wondered if there's going to be some rust there. Well, Michigan saw what was in front of them, and that was the Spartans. They've got back-to-back games against Michigan State. Uh, this was due to the fact that the Spartans had to deal with a COVID issue, and so did Michigan. So they backloaded these games. So they're they're playing a, a home and home series at the end of the year. They'll, I believe they're they're getting back on the court uh, in East Lansing on Saturday. I think that's when the game is scheduled. Michigan knew exactly what was on the line for them: a Big Ten regular season championship. And they went out, they played their game, and they did everything that they needed to do to win. And they got that win, and they clinched the Big Ten. And, and I think that, you know, when, when you look at, uh, you know, kind of what they did and what what they accomplished, uh, you have to expect that a, a lot of, uh, you know, recognition is going to go Michigan's way. I, I think that... Jawan Howard's going to get a lot of recognition. Obviously, we talked about Hunter Dickinson already getting some recognition. Uh, Franz Wagner needs some recognition. Uh, Eli Brooks does too. Isaiah Livers. They were just fantastic. Uh, Hunter Dickinson uh, had a double-double, 14 points, 10 boards. Uh, Franz Wagner led the team with 19 points. This one, uh, you know, is not surprising. I was not surprised at all by this result. I think Michigan State is solid, but they just, you know, their their run late just I don't think is going to be enough. And then moving out to Iowa, uh, like I said, Iowa is, uh, you know, they're they're starting to get their groove back. Uh, That win against Ohio State uh, last week was a confidence builder for them, I think. It showed to them that not only are they a good offensive team, they're a good defensive team as well. And that defense continued as they allowed just 64 points to Nebraska, and they decided to score 102 themselves. I think they had it going. The confidence that Iowa got from that game against Ohio State was significant. It really was. It really was. Uh, because you know, you're looking at a team that didn't necessarily have to rely everything last night on Luca Garza. Garza actually had an off game. And if you think shooting five of eight, uh, scoring 14 points, grabbing eight boards with four blocks is an off game, then that's an off game for you. When you're a national player of the year candidate, and that's all you do, and you normally average about 25, 26 points a game, then yeah, that's an off game for you. That's because Jordan Bohannon picked up the slack. He scored 20 Six points on eight of 12 shooting from behind the arc. He literally only shot one other shot that was from inside the arc. He missed it, but he did. Patrick McCaffrey, uh, he had a really good game as well. Uh, Eight of 13 shooting for 19 points. A well-rounded effort for the Hawkeyes. Very well-rounded. Uh, they get back to the win column 
and uh, I think that they're they're riding high going into the conference tournament. They really are. Um, this week there are no games tomorrow. I'm sorry, today, because that's Friday. Now you got a couple of games tomorrow. Uh, you got that Illini and Ohio State matchup, another top ten one there. We'll see if the Buckeyes can stop their three-game losing streak or the Illini are riding high after that Michigan win and can get back-to-back top 10 wins. That would be impressive for the Illini heading into the postseason. So we've got a game there where one team is trending in the right direction and the other team is trending in the wrong direction. And we'll see if those trends continue the same. Either the Illini go in the right way and the Buckeyes go in the wrong way. We'll see if that continues after Saturday's contest. Um, that is the late game. It's funny to say that. A 3 o'clock game is the late game. Uh, the early game is Rutgers and Minnesota. I think this one's very important for Rutgers. Rutgers needs a couple more wins, I think, to solidify their berth into the NCAAs. Minnesota, in my estimation, I don't think that they're going to make it either way. They're at 513 and 13. They're just not going to do it. Rutgers, 13 and 10. They've got a chance. They need to win this game, and then they need to win at least one more game in the conference tournament, in my estimation, in order to solidify their bid for the NCAA tournament. Indiana, also like Minnesota, I think right now they're the on the outside looking in for the NCAAs. They take on in-state rival Purdue. I think Purdue right now is fighting for seeding. Uh, I've been singing Purdue's praises for a long time. I think Purdue is one of the best teams in the country and has been underrated for a very long time. I think they're more than worthy of a four seed. And a four seed means that you're a top uh, 12 team in the country. I think a five seed, um, I, I think probably will get a five seed, but I think they're good enough to get a four seed. I think they are. We'll see if that happens. But I don't know. And then on Sunday, got a whole lot of games on Sunday. The conclusion of the regular season sees Nebraska take on Northwestern, the game that really doesn't have much uh, significance. Uh, You've got the Wisconsin and Iowa game there. Iowa, you know, like I said, if I I was starting to really get into a groove, they're going to hand it to the, the Badgers. Again, like the Illinois Ohio State game. This is a game where you're seeing two teams trending in different directions. The Badgers trending in the wrong direction. The Hawkeyes trending in the right direction. Uh, Like I said earlier, the rematch in East Lansing, Michigan, Michigan State. uh, I fully expect Michigan to try and beat the Spartans. Just because they've clinched the Big Ten title, the regular season title, doesn't mean that they're not going to try and stomp on Michigan State's throats because the Spartans are still fighting for that NCAA berth. 1977 was the last time they missed the tournament. And I think they put the nail in the coffin here for Michigan State with an L. So this one's pretty important for them. And then the final game of the day on Sunday, Penn State goes to Maryland. This one's big for Maryland. Again, there's a lot of significant games here. Because of seeding, 
and getting those bubble bids. And I think that Maryland is close. I, I wouldn't say that Maryland is a lock at this point in time, but I think that they're feeling pretty. They're sitting in, they've got a good position right now, 15-11 going into the game. It'd be 16-11 heading into the conference tournament. I think they'd be feeling sitting pretty good if they get that win over Penn State. But remember, Penn State's been scrappy. Yeah, Jim Ferry doesn't really have a job after this year. But he's done a pretty good job. He's kept them competitive. And that's really all you could have asked for. And that's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. Once again, I appreciate the listen. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chet. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten M. I'm ready to review us and share us on all of your listening platforms. I can actually really tell you have a good weekend this time as opposed to Wednesday when I inadvertently thought it was Friday. So have a great weekend, Big Ten fans. I will talk to you on Monday morning.